The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. You guys doing okay? We're good? We're all right. It's another pretty day outside in February. I mean, anybody been excited about the weather yet? I don't know. The mosquitoes are out early here in North Carolina. Um, we've, got, we've got some friends from Wisconsin and Minnesota in the house today, right? And uh, welcome to Mosquito Land. Just so I'll let you know. Um, we're just, it's funny, it's a little early this year. Listen, we've been in a series of messages over um, the last little bit, uh, last couple weeks, um, where we've been in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, I had mentioned to you when we got started two weeks ago that um, I went away to a retreat um, called Mark Men for Christ uh, a couple years ago. There's actually one coming up on the 17th through the 19th if some of you fellows would like to go to that. You can check in at guest service and sign up. Somebody will get that information to you. Profound experience in my life. Uh, incredible. At that retreat, um, uh, a fellow prayed for me and spoke to me about 1 Corinthians 13. And so when I got back, I spent 21 days studying and journaling through 1 Corinthians 13, and it had a huge impact on me. The next year, I decided to take what the Lord had spoken to me and teach it to the staff as kind of best principles or best practices that God is love. 1 John 4, 8, we've been talking about that. And 1 Corinthians says that love is patient, love is kind. So we know God is patient, God is kind. Okay, and so it unpacks for us what God is like. In turn, what Paul is saying to the Corinthians there is he's telling them that this also, as followers of Christ, this is what we're to be like. God's patient, God is kind, God's not proud, he does not boast, and we're to be patient, we're to be kind. That's, and so we felt like we would journey through this together for a number of weeks, and last week we were looking at verse 4. Um, where it said that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. And we talked about last week how that's an inward work, something going on on the inside, that we as followers of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that we are now new creations in Christ, that the old is gone, the new has come, or the old person that you were is dead and you are now alive in Christ when you've put your faith in him. That means that this God is love, God is patient, it lives in you. Now, and that we can choose according to what God has placed on the inside of us. So it is possible for us to be loving, to be kind, to not be envious, to not boast, not be proud. That's a thing on the inside. Today we're going to start digging into verse 5 a little bit. And verse 5 is that outward expressions that begin to come from the inward work that's taking place in us. That because we are loving and because we are patient, because we are kind, we can begin to live a life where we don't dishonor others. Or as the NIV says, you'll pull up here, Shelly will in a second. It says it's not rude or it does not dishonor others. That it's not selfish. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrong. That's outward ways that we begin to respond to people because of what's taking place on the inside of us. Is that cool? We're going to drill down a little bit today just on the last part of that verse. We're going to spend some time together talking about love keeping no records of wrong today. And what I want to throw out here to you is that forgiveness 
is a core and central issue for us as the people of God. Not only is it the thing that we absolutely celebrate that we are a forgiven people, that as we have placed our our faith in Christ and we've had our sins washed away by the blood of the Lamb, that we are now new creatures, that we walk and can walk in forgiveness. And that absolutely, when we lay hold of that, it can transform our lives in some incredible ways. Understanding what's been offered to us and purchased for us in Christ. But also, it becomes the way that we live. That we live lives of forgiveness towards other people. And that we don't have to live in the bondage and in the prison of unforgiveness. And the sickness that it brings in our life. As well as we can stop putting other people in bondage by the unforgiveness we hold over their heads. This is a huge, huge thing for us. And we're living in a time and a season right now where offense seems to be the rule of the day. It's all about what I'm offended about or people being offensive. And we have great social media tools to declare to the whole world how offended we are. Or we get the opportunity to be really offensive to lots of people um, on uh, social media. We just live in that season. I think... It's just the right time, it's the right moment to take a real solid look at what are we talking about when we talk about um, forgiveness. There's a lot of things that I can't remember. I don't know if you're like me, you know, I'm getting older, I'm, I'll be 45 here in a, in a couple months, and uh, maybe that's some, some of that starting to go. I, I really think it has a little more to do with the fact that I've had three concussions that I can remember in my life. Uh, the first one, um, I was a little more than a toddler or so, and my brother and sister decided they were going to play Happy Days, and uh, they needed a, a girlfriend for Fonzie, so they decided to dress me up, and my, one of my sister's tutus, I tripped over the edge of it and hit my head on the coffee table. I also bit through my lip uh, that day. Traumatic events from my childhood. And uh, the second one, I was a little older, and I was just being a good old uh, adventuresome boy, and I was jumping off the windowsill in my bedroom over to my bed, not realizing I would just lose control in the bounce and fly off and hit my head on the bottom of a rocking chair. And uh, I spent a good evening in the hospital with that one. But the most spectacular one for me, uh, took place when I was 17 years old, and I decided it would be a good idea when me and some friends of mine were downhill, downhilling with our skateboards into the neighborhood to get a tow to the top of the hill from this lady that was driving out. So I thought it would be a good idea to get a hold of the back of the car and get towed to the top of the hill. Well, about the time she took off in the car, I started to get what we call speed wobbles on the skateboard, and I decided in my mind that if I let go, I was going to die. And if I held on, I was going to die. And so the only thing I could remember was, the only thing I could think to do was to let go and lean towards the grass. And the last thing I remember is letting go of the car. The lady driving the car saw my feet in her rearview mirror. That's what she said. And when I woke up, my head was in the lap of a paramedic. And she was asking me all kinds of questions. Do you know your name? Do you know where you live? Do you know where the date is? And all of my answers were a year behind. Absolutely knocked myself silly when I, uh, and so I've had some memory issues off and on. I don't know uh, if you're like that. My wife would say yes and amen to that. But here's the truth I want to throw out there to you this morning. There are some things, regardless of how many times I've hit my head, that I absolutely will not forget. 
There are some things that I carry in my heart and in my memories, disappointments, people who've hurt me, people that I have failed and hurt them and disappointed. There are things that have taken place through the course of my life that I absolutely will not forget. And I would assume in a room this size that there are some of you that could, at least some of you that could say the same exact thing. That there are some things that have taken place that you will never forget. Things you've seen that when you close your eyes in this moment, you can see those painful events and things again as if it were right now. It's true for all of us somewhat. Forgiving and forgetting. Have we heard that phrase? You ever heard somebody tell you you need to forgive and forget? Right? Or have you ever felt like you didn't truly forgive somebody because the memory just kept coming back and every time the memory comes it stings? Right? Forgive and forget. I'll tell you the same thing I told the first service this morning. Forgiving and forgetting is bull malarkey. It's just not true. It's a farce. Because if, I mean, how's it working for you? Right? I think and want to suggest to you that we just have a distorted understanding of what forgiveness is really uh, all about. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. But for me, I wonder sometimes, I remember, am I keeping a record of wrong? Because I'm still dealing with this. This thing comes back, it comes back, I get angry all over again. So did I not forgive? Did I forgive? And then we're left sometimes to our own human brokenness to try to sort that out. And we wind up with things like this, with our forgiveness having limitations and conditions that we set on it. And then we wind up sitting in a judgment seat over other people. We'll kind of set a price that we feel like that other person has to pay according to the loss that we feel for us to decide whether they're okay or not right? We say, well, you hurt me so bad, you're going to have to pay this much. You're going to have to say this much, right? Before I decide whether or not it's okay with me. Before I'll give you forgiveness. Or sometimes we've got to determine that they've got to endure a certain amount of pain and suffering themselves so that they can understand the pain and suffering that we went through, right? We start getting into a mindset where we kind of really want them to get theirs so they can understand what we got. Forgiving and forgetting, um, it just really doesn't go together. The truth is, often with things that have hurt you, you don't really need to forget, or right? Um, if you've got somebody who's been really mean to you, and every time they keep coming by, and you uh, were forgetting every time they come by that they're the person that's always mean to you, that gets you into a cycle where you just got somebody being mean to you all the time. But if you know that this person is often mean to you, that when you run into them, you can have a certain amount of preparation or choose to be somewhere else, right? Some of us get into a cycle of broken relationships where we've dated one person and it was a terrible relationship. Then we date another person and it's the same kind of terrible relationship. You date another person, it's the same kind of terrible relationship. For some folks, it's marriages. For some folks, it's friendships, right? One of the same kind of messy relationship after the other. At some point, you figure they would remember. Hello? I mean, at some point, you keep doing the same things the same way, you just get the same results. So a certain amount of remembrance is not necessarily a bad thing. So maybe the whole issue isn't related to forgetting and that that's when you've forgiven. Maybe it's not about that at all. If you'll pull up that uh, quote for me, Shelley. 
Forgiveness is not a prized possession you give to those who you deem worthy. Nor has it necessarily happened when you no longer remember what took place. In other words, forgiveness is not something that you own, that you decide whether or not somebody else deserves it and whether or not you'll give it to them and maybe you'll make them suffer a while till you feel like it's okay and you give it to them. It's not some prized possession you have that you give away. Nor have you forgiven or not forgiven on the basis of whether you remember it or not. I was telling the first service this morning that um, I, was a, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. In uh, late 90s, early 2000s, there was a young lady that was in my youth group at the time who was very troubled. Um, we had worked with a lot, and she had a lot of difficult circumstances and things going on. And, um, and we administered a lot to this girl. Uh, about four or five years ago, when I was here, uh, I got a Facebook message one day from this young lady who is now a grown lady and married and has a child. And I was all excited about it. I hadn't heard from the many years. And uh, Lisa was sitting with me and my wife, and I was reading a little bit about it. And we were catching up, you know, and talking about her life. And, you know, of course, we, you know, Facebook stalking a little bit. And you can see a picture of her family. And, you know, and I'm, wow. And then about halfway down through what she wrote, she started to unpack for me how upset she had been with me all these years because of something I had evidently said that hurt her. And I didn't have a clue. It was totally off my radar. You ever have somebody come to you that was bothered with you and you were totally blindsided and had no idea? Ever have that happen to you? So evidently forgetting doesn't necessarily fix things, does it? Forgetting doesn't always fix things. Well, digging in here, the word forgive in the Bible, the Lord in his infinite wisdom gave us this thing, forgiveness, and he's the one that gets to define it. Just like we don't define what love is, love is defined by who God is, okay? Forgiveness is the same way. We don't get to define forgiveness. God defined forgiveness for us. The root meaning of the word forgive in Scripture means to cancel the debt. It means to cancel the debt. And here in 1 Corinthians 5, keeping no records of wrong literally means to not count or to not keep an account, the truth is for us, there are some things that have been taken from you and some things that have been done to you that cannot be repaid. And we find ourselves demanding payment from someone, trying to find healing, trying to find peace and trying to be okay. And we're wanting this other person to pay enough or to give back enough to make it okay, but the truth is there's some things that take place that cannot be repaid or fixed. In here, sitting just in here or even watching online today, there are folks, whether you've been abused or raped or hurt or left or abandoned, there's something that has taken up a residence in a memory, there's something you've seen that's in your story, it's part of your life, that in the physical and in the natural can't be given back to you. Maybe your innocence was taken. Maybe a loved one was lost and it just can't be replaced or fixed. And we find ourselves in bondage and in prison because we're writing invoices out to people demanding payment for things that they can't afford. They're bankrupt on the issue. 
And we wind up being in a prison of anger and bitterness and pain. And we wind up by our demands on other people, put them subject to the same thing. And here's the deal. Underneath it all, what we are yearning for and what we are desiring is healing and peace. And there's one place that that's found. And that's at the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the only place it's found. That person can't give it to you. I want you, if you will, I want you to go there. This is one small verse, but I want you to turn there because I really would like you to underline this in your scriptures, if you will. Over in 1 Peter chapter 2, if you go down to verse 24, he being Jesus, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You can't hurt that person enough for them to have wounds that will heal you, that hurt you first. It's only by the wounds of Jesus Christ that we find healing. It's at the cross that we find peace and freedom. Other people can't give it to us. So love keeps no records of wrong. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you remember I've been telling you that, that Corinth was a messy place. It was a crossroads of the world. That um, It was a, a place where ships came in and there was lots of cultures there and many religions. There were temples to other gods. There was a lot of sexual sin, a lot of all kinds of stuff like that. It was a very messy place. And when Paul planted the church there and you've got these new believers, well, they came from that place. So you got a messy church with messy people and they're trying to figure it out. And 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians is Paul speaking into the life of this church. And in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians here, Paul is dealing with these believers who are demanding repayment from one another and they're suing each other and taking each other to court. And these are believers in the same family. Instead of getting together in humility and love and working things out together, they're keeping records of wrong, demanding repayment, going to the non-Christian courts and demanding that those people fix it for them. And so when we get over to 1 Corinthians 13, what Paul's drilling down here is he's speaking on what he's already drilled down with them. Look, love doesn't do that. Now, sometimes I know court may be necessary to resolve certain things. I'm not poo-pooing on that. I'm just saying that what God is after and what Paul is trying to communicate to these people is don't throw your relationships out the window and don't live in a prison of anger and pain for the sake of trying to get repayment from somebody who can never sufficiently repay you for you to find healing and peace. It's what he's after here. You don't look to those other people for them to get theirs. And you're not trying to turn it over to collection. You're not praying those prayers where you're going, sick them, God. Get them. Get them, God. Not praying those prayers. Here's what you do. We've got to make the choice to see those other people. And for those of us that are dealing with unforgiveness towards ourselves, we've got to learn to see ourselves as God sees us. We don't need to see people according to their failures. We don't need to see ourselves according to our failures. We need to see ourselves the way that God sees us and sees others. See others the way that God sees them. You and I both are in the need of the saving grace of God and Jesus Christ, whose blood cleanses us from all of unrighteousness, sin, as we surrender our lives to him. I want you to look over, if you will. First John, I cheated. I marked these in my Bible. But uh, 
you can get there and mark these down. First John chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 8. It says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then over in Romans chapter 6, skipping around a little bit today. So it's a familiar passage of scripture. Verse 23 says this, for the wages, the payment, the cost of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, here's the deal. If you don't know Jesus, that means you are living according to your own righteousness. You're living according to what you can pay for. You are living according to your own standards. You're measured by your own standards. If you are not a Christian, you're not measured by Jesus okay, and what he's done. You're measured by you and what you've done. And that can't pay for it because sin needed to be perfectly paid for. I'm not perfect. I can't perfectly pay for my sin. So God sent his son, Jesus, who is perfect, to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that when we place our faith in Jesus and we're followers of Christ, God now sees us according to what Jesus has done. Okay? So if you're not in Christ, the payment for sin is death. It's separation. It's eternal separation from God. The Bible calls that hell. But if you are in Christ, you also know this to be true. That when you hurt someone or someone hurts you, is there not death in the relationship? Is there is the wages still not death? The cost? And what Jesus wants to offer us is life and freedom from that stuff. God looked over your offense, looked over my offense and said, I'm going to pay that. I'm going to pay for it. You can't pay for it. They can't pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay their debt, wipe their slate clean, tear up all the invoices, and let them start brand new, is what he decided, as brand new people. And God is the only one capable of paying for offenses anyway. He's the only one capable of doing it. And Psalm 145, verse 8, is one of my favorites. The Lord is gracious and he is compassionate, that he's slow to anger and he is rich in love. And love keeps no record of wrong. Ephesians chapter 2, I read this passage a lot from up here. It's one of my favorites. It's kind of those passages, if you'll just get this thing down in your heart and live on this, you're going to truck on. It's good stuff, all right? Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 4, says this. But because of his, God's, great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression, sin. It is by grace you've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In John chapter 15 um, John tells us this. He says, no greater love have a man than he lay down his life for his friends. And what we see in Christ, who as I've been telling you here this morning, who is the perfect sacrifice, laid his life down to pay for the sins of the world. So that if we would just put our faith in him, we could receive the benefit of that sacrifice, have our sins washed clean, okay? He laid his life down. So what does love look like? We've been talking about that, right? What does God do? What is love all about? Love lays itself down. 
Love doesn't demand position and love doesn't demand restitution. Love settles all accounts by giving all. Love gives even what is not deserved. Sure, there are people in your life that have hurt you and failed you that do not deserve your forgiveness. The truth is, your own failings and the things that you hold over your own head about yourself, you don't deserve forgiveness. But love doesn't withhold. Love lays down. Love gave his life for you. And that is the example that we're given to live by. That that's how we respond. If you uh, could flip that uh, slide to that uh, lovely lady for me there. Um, If you're visiting this morning, folks that uh, are home here know this well about me. If I cry, I can't talk. Um, uh, uh, This is Nadine Collier. Um, On uh, July 17th in 2015, a young man by the name of Dylan Roof walked into Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. He opened fire and brutally murdered and assassinated nine people. One of those people One of those people was Nadine's mom. Her name is Ethel Lance. When uh, Dylan was arrested and was having his bond hearing, and you can go online and you can watch this. I thought about showing it this morning, but I'd be a wreck and I wouldn't be able to finish. So um, I'd encourage you to go do it. You can go look it up on YouTube. And... Uh, At the hearing, as they often do, the judge gave the families that wanted to the opportunity to speak and to speak to the accused. They had the opportunity to address Dylan directly. And uh, he was there. You'll see it if you watch the video. He's there on screen, on camera, with two guards, and the families are in the courtroom off camera. And Nadine was the first to come up and speak, to speak for her mother. I want to read you what she said. First words out of her mouth were, she said, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me, and I will never get to talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you, and I have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But if God forgives you, I forgive you. A reporter in a follow-up article noted, said this, A year later, her grief is heavy. Collier misses the sound of her mother's voice, the smile on her face as she greeted worshipers as an usher at Emmanuel AME Church, the spring in her step when she led the procession for communion. Collier said that she learned in the bond hearing that forgiveness isn't weak. It's not resignation or a duty done begrudgingly, and it's not easy. But what Nadine understood, and she discovered that her only option was to respond in forgiveness, what she understood is she understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. She knew that she had been forgiven so much that the only right response is to offer what she had been given and didn't deserve herself, to offer it to someone else who didn't deserve it. The truth is that when we're unforgiving, we're forgetting who God is. We're forgetting what he's like, 
and what he has done on our behalf. And that includes unforgiveness towards ourselves. When we begin to realize what God has done for us out of his great love for us, then we can begin to go and do the same for others. You know, the scripture, I didn't say this in the first service, but the scripture says that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it says to love your neighbors as yourself. You're never going to be able to properly love people until you learn to love yourself the way God loves you. So forgiveness for yourself is important. That's the only way you're going to be able to do that for other people. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ forgave you. I want you guys, if you will, you stand with me. We're going to close up today. If I can get the elders and prayer team and uh, other pastors, y'all just come and if y'all stand down on front here, we're going to do something today that I think this is too important and too essential. It's too important and too essential for us not to have an opportunity to respond, to find the freedom that God created you for. Listen, this issue of forgiveness is so necessary And it was so important that God himself sent his one and only son so that forgiveness would be possible. This is not a small deal. I know that there are those of us in here that live in the prison of our anger or in the prison of our fear or in the prison of our pain. And peace and healing is found in Christ. And there are going to be some of you in here today that you need to come and find freedom at the cross this morning. There are some of you that need to come or right where you are, pray for some strength today because there's a phone call you need to make after church. There's somebody you need to call and tell them you're sorry. For some of you, it's time to sit down and say, I've been holding this over my own head for so long and it is not working. The only person that can set you free is Jesus. There's a quote I want to read to you. Chris Fallouten says this, Forgiveness shuts out bondage and frees you to begin living in peace. There are a few things you should know about forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness is an act of your will, not a manifestation of your desire. In other words, forgiveness doesn't have to feel good. Second, forgiving someone doesn't preclude you from experiencing pain when he or she is around. And it doesn't mean that you have to trust them. Forgiveness simply means you no longer will that the person be punished. It isn't always easy to let something go. And it isn't easy to forgive somebody. It isn't easy to forgive yourself and release them into the hands of God. But it's always absolutely categorically worth it. God thought you were worth it. He proved it by his son. He desired it for you even though you had hurt him and I had hurt him and offended God greatly. God offered us everything. The world was perfect. The garden was perfect. The relationship was perfect. And mankind stands in the face of God and says, nope, we're going to do it our own way. And in the midst of even that great defiance, God says, I'm going to give you my son. We need to desire forgiveness for others, remembering that God gave his life for them just like he did for you and me. Now listen, I want to leave this one for you last. I just wanted to give this nugget and then we're going to pray. 
is that often we feel like a failure with forgiveness because we thought we forgave, but then it comes back again or they hurt us again or the memory comes back and we've got the same feelings that we had 10 years ago when it happened the first time. And it just comes back and goes, I thought I forgave. I thought I dealt with it. I thought I forgave. I thought I dealt with it. Listen, it's a process. Forgiveness is not just something that you just do and it's over and you move on. It's a process that begins to work in your life. What happens is when the memory comes back or you see the person or you're running into them in public or you make the failure again, that thing drops in your hands again. And you know what you need to do? You just need to put it down again at the foot of the cross. Yeah, you forgave. So forgive again because you were forgiven. Yeah, you forgave. So forgive again because you were forgiven. And when we get into the process of just letting those things just pass through our hands, our hands will remain empty so they can be filled with the love of God and we can offer that to people instead of an invoice. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Put up with each other. (laughs) And forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Listen, there's some of you here today. We're going to go back and they're just going to worship. I'm going to close up and pray. But there's some of you I really, you need to come. You need to take a step of faith and say, I'm going to lay this thing down and have somebody pray for you and pray with you. Just to agree with you, to pray for the strength of God, to make that phone call, to ask for forgiveness, to forgive yourself. There are those of you that need to come do that today. To find that when you step out in faith, you won't be met by condemnation, but that you'll be met by love. And that we can agree together and we can go to the feet of Jesus and find mercy and grace. We can find freedom from bondage. You don't have to live in that prison anymore. The last thing is this. There are some of you here today who've never experienced the first round of forgiveness. And it's only found in Jesus. And it's this. God so loved the world that he gave his son for you and for me. That if we would believe in him, he would give us everlasting life. And verse 17 of John 3 says that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. There's no condemnation here. There's just freedom offered to you by the forgiveness that was purchased at the cross. So you can say, Jesus, I need a savior and you're it. I'm sorry for what I've done and thank you for offering forgiveness to me and I'm going to follow you. I want you to be the savior of my life. That's where that journey of walking in the freedom of forgiveness is found. Amen? So listen, I'm going to pray for you guys, and I just want you to come as we sing. If you need to go, you go right on. But as you go, please make sure you leave here with hands not carrying invoices. Leave here with open hands, full of love to offer to somebody else today, okay? Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here as the family today. And Father, as people come, I know that there will be miracles that will take place at the altar here this morning. Lord, that there will be freedom found. Forgiveness will take place. People will find that they don't have to live in the bondage anymore of thinking that they're such a failure and they can never overcome it. They don't have to be riddled with the painful memories anymore, crippling them from living the life you created them to live. 
They don't have to live with anger towards another person anymore. They can be free. They can set that other person free. And they can watch you do amazing things. I thank you for what you're going to do down here today. Father, thank you for meeting us here today. Thank you that your love is so much more than a feeling. That love is who you are. That love lays down. That love sets us free. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As they sing, you guys come. If you need to go, you're free to go. We love you guys.